Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this narration of the web series Beyond the Void, the sequel to Why Humans Avoid War. Although this is a standalone book, it also contains characters and the universe from the previous book. This story was taken from Reddit, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. Beyond the Void, Chapter 1 Patrols along any major warp routes were typically uneventful, which was part of the posting's appeal. Receiving generous pay and military benefits to float around in a cruiser, admiring starscapes, was a good deal in my book. How rare bouts of excitement were the occasional warp drive malfunction or medical emergency, neither of which imbued a sense of danger. The Federation's presence was enough to persuade criminal sex to steer clear of the main access points. More often than not, smugglers hauled their goods through backwater systems and paid off local authorities to turn a blind eye. Pirates usually targeted ships departing from mining outposts, since that was simpler than knocking a ship out of hyperspace. Few would dare to flout galactic law under the watchful eye of a patrol. That is why, when my partner Joffy picked up a distress signal in an unpopulated system, we weren't expecting anything out of the ordinary. A mundane mechanical failure, perhaps, or a reckless teenager who had taken a ship for a joyride. Following standard procedure, I hailed the ship as we came into comms range. Unknown vessel, please state the nature of your emergency. Silence was the only response I received, which made me uneasy. Most pilots were all too quick to respond to their rescuers and beg for help. Maybe their communications were offline, or perhaps they didn't speak galactic common. Whatever the case, they gave me an inkling that this was no standard response call. Is this another prank? I swear I'm going to kill those kids, Joffy growled. My whiskers twitched at the memory of Joffy, using lavtat leaves to banish ghosts from an empty cargo ship. Some local internet pranksters had rigged the ship to play pre-recorded groaning noises and flipped the lights on and off at random intervals. Then, they abandoned it and waited for someone to find it. Fifteen million views later, the rest is history. I hope that is all. Got a bad feeling about this, I muttered. Joffy stared at the inky blackness ahead, a determined look on her face. Well, we'll know soon enough. Ship will be in view in a few minutes. Before the vessel was even visible, our data display lit up with bizarre windings, strange energy readings emanating through the subspace field, like someone had detonated their drive with warp. How could anyone have survived such an incident to send out a distress signal in the first place? Our sensors homed in on the target, magnifying the image on screen. It was obvious from the first glance that this was no civilian craft. The vessel was a behemoth, with an angular shape that seemed designed to take a beating. My eye was drawn to the plasma cannon on the hull, which was glowing as though it was powered up. As my gaze turned to the hull, I saw a golden landmass emblazoned on the blue plating. Several curses slipped through my mouth. By the ancestors! That symbol! That's a Terran ship! Joffy's head snapped in my direction. What? Okay, time to hightail it out of here. Buckle up. Wait, hold on. We can't just leave them, I protested, trying to keep the fear out of my voice. Like it or not, the humans are Federation members, and as entitled to help as anyone else. I'm not racing, Scorch, you know that, but 
That is no civilian ship, she pleaded. There's two possibilities. The first is that they were testing something dangerous, or that this is a trap. You think this is a trap? Think about it. Ship isn't answering us, and its weapons are powered on. For all we know, they could be human pirates luring us in. Pirates this close to a patrol routes. Bold, in for humans. But if anyone would risk it, it is them. I stared through the viewport, where the warship idled in a dead system. It was impossible to refute the logic of Joffy's words. This did have all the markers of a trap. Humans were the most aggressive species in the galaxy, and the last people you wanted to face in close quarters combat. If this was a setup, it wouldn't end well for us. Yet, some idiotic, soft-hearted part of me couldn't bear the idea of leaving a sentient in distress. Even a warlike sentient that could snap us in half with the flick of a wrist. Send a transmission back to Federation Command in case anything happens to us, I said. I'm sorry, Joe. We have to try. An exasperated look crossed her face, but she relayed the message as instructed. Gods, I hate you, Gorsh. Where is your sense of self-preservation? Gone, I suppose. Suit up. There was some discontented grumbling from Jofi as we clambered into our power armor suits. I knew that their protection would be no match for human weaponry, but they could protect against other perils. They could seal us off from any biohazards and provide us with our own oxygen supply in case the danger was atmospheric. My heart was pounding as I picked up my plasma rifle, unhitching the safety. The ship's computer steered us into a docking port, connecting with an emergency airlock. I thought that I was going to pass out, if anything happens to me, I want you to know that it's your fault, Joffy barked out over the headset. I chuckled. <laughs> you always know how to make me feel better, Joe. I promise. I'll be crippled by guilt forever. Good. In that case, I am ready to die. She pulled the lever to open the airlock, and I braced myself for a fight on the other side. However, as the door swung open, it revealed nothing but an empty tunnel. There were no humans lying in wait, which at least meant it wasn't a trap. I took a few tentative steps down the corridor and nearly slipped on the slick floor. A glance around revealed a healthy coating of frost on all surfaces, as though the ship had been buffeted by a snowstorm. It was inexplicable. What the hell? Jofie sounded as bewildered as I felt. What happened here? My gaze swept around the room, searching for clues. I don't know, but humans can't survive in temperatures this cold for long. We need to look for survivors. With careful steps, I inched down the edge of the hallway, peering around a corner. A scream escaped my lips, and horror shot through my veins at the ghastly sight before us. The room, which appeared to be a mess hall, was littered with human corpses. Many of them had been killed in ways which, uh, before today, I would have said were impossible. Several bodies seemed to have fused with objects, their faces frozen in an eternal expression of terror. One man, whose torso was sunken into a wall, appeared to be mid-scream. The bulging eyes, mouth agape, hands outstretched. It took every ounce of my willpower to not flee from the ship then and there. What were the humans messing with? Gosh, are you seeing this? Joffy asked. Seeing, but still working on believing, I replied. She was kneeling by a body on the floor, checking it for vitals. This one... I thought it might be alive. Seems to be the only one not crafted to the structure. Any heartbeat? No. It's very much dead. 
There's a stream of blood from the eye sockets. My guess, the eyes burst. And so did most of the other organs. Ugh. I don't think we'll find any survivors, Joe. Me neither. Let's get out of here before whatever happened to them happens to us. Wait. We need to get the data off the ship's computer first. If we want to figure out what happened. This is why over our heads, Gorsh. I'm not risking my life for a damn ship log. It's not about the log. What if something attacked them? Then it's still out there. All of us could be in danger. Look, just a quick trip to the bridge. Then we can leave. There were no further protests. And as far as I was concerned, that was the scent. The bridge was likely the center of the ship. Since that was Terran preference. So we just needed to continue inward. The two of us maneuvered through several rooms, ignoring the grisly scenes laid out before us. If I stopped to dwell on each of them, I don't think I could have carried on. It only took a few minutes to reach the bridge, but by the time we arrived, I felt like I had aged a decade. The images of body parts and blood-soaked walls were burned into my mind, lodged there for all eternity. The command center was as gory as any of the other sectors, Many of the human officers had merged with their workstations, and the others were in a pile of blood on the floor. I pushed down another scream, trying to focus on the task at hand. The ship's data needed to be retrieved. Once that was achieved, we could get as far away from here as possible. The hollow display at the heart of the bridge seemed to be the best station to pull the data from. I walked over to it. Careful to step over the corpse that slumped in front of it, my hand waved over its sensors, hoping to wake it. Access denied, an automated voice declared, scaring me half to death, biometric authorization required. There was a handprint reader in front of the hollow display, which was probably what the computer wanted. With a grimace, I rolled over the body of my feet. It was difficult not to wretch hauling the pallid carcass, but I tried my best. The idea of vomit rolling around in my visor did not appeal to me in the slightest. I dragged the dead fellow's hand on top of the reader, unlocking the display. After swiping through several tabs, I found the option to transfer all ship data, then selected our cruiser as the recipient. Thank the stars, we were almost out of this mess. While waiting for the upload to complete, my gaze flitted down towards the body I had utilized. The scar across the right cheek and the missing eyes were new. But I recognized the pace anyways. Crap, Joe. This isn't just any human ship. I paused, drawing a shaky breath. We need to send word to home immediately. What? Did you find something? She asked. I pointed to the body at my feet. This guy here is a Federation top general. I don't know what's going on. But we might be at war. Whatever had killed these humans, we needed to figure out what it was. Quickly. End of chapter. Chapter 2. Gorsh Point of View When the humans took over the military following the infamous Nova War, they moved our commanding facility off-world, searching the location every half-cycle. Their stated reasoning was to avoid something called a decapitation strike, whatever that meant. At the present time, we were stationed on an asteroid in an unoccupied system. The living facilities were fully enclosed in a dome to render the air breathable. Throw in the help of artificial gravity, and you could forget that you weren't on a proper planet. The Federation's computer technicians started dissecting the data as soon as we arrived at military headquarters. 
Jovi and I remained in the room while waiting for the techs to finish the analysis, in case they needed to ask us any further questions. We had already endured a thorough interrogation, which was conducted by a panel of officers. As far as I was concerned, there wasn't anything left to tell. I was relieved that we would get to listen to the initial findings and hopefully receive some answers. Nothing about this fit together. For one thing, it struck me as odd that none of those present were humans, given that it was their ship we discovered. It seemed that I wasn't alone in noticing that fact. General Blaise of the Jutari Confederacy was growing increasingly irritated at the Terran's absence, as evidenced by his stiff body language. Sir, Callow, a young Hodel analyst, spoke up with hesitancy. Undoubtedly, he noticed his superior's ill-tempered demeanor, too. We finished a fire restoration and created a summary of our findings. I hope you'll be satisfied with our performance. The Jutari general and Tenai nodded together with the knights. Yes, yes, you've done your job, but tell me, where are the damned Ewits? I don't know. They said that they're standing someone, Quala replied. General Blaise glowered at the technician. It's been several hours. What could possibly be the delay? I asked him the same thing, sir. They said that they're sending someone from Earth, and they needed to pull him out of a meeting. Quello, how many humans are on this fucking base? Approximately 15,000, sir. Why can't they send one of them? Because I believe you're looking for me. A gravelly voice answered from the back of the room. Rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. A chill ran down my spine as I turned towards the newcomer and found myself face to face with a dead man. It was General Rykov, leader of the Federation's military in the flesh, the same human whose corpse I dragged across the bloody floor this very morning. His cheek was unblemished by the scar I'd seen earlier, and his eyes were still intact. A squeal escaped my throat, and acting on impulse, I dove under the table to hide. Sure, my response wasn't exactly befitting of a soldier, but it wasn't every day that we witnessed a resurrection. This couldn't be happening. This had to be a nightmare that I would wake up from, and then I would laugh at it absurdly. Even the cantankerous General Blaise seemed dumbfounded. You're dead? Honestly. I've gotten about fifteen calls asking if I'm alright, and it's getting old. Rykov flopped down on a chair, kicking his feet up on the table. Whoever you found, it wasn't me. I clawed my way from my hiding spot, trying to calm myself. There hadn't been a doubt in my mind on the deceased's identity, but maybe I'd made a mistake. Trauma could do strange things to people's minds after all. Are you sure? Kalo asked, voice brought with terror. The technician displayed an image of the projector, which was taken by Federation investigators. The blood drained from Rykov's face as he locked eyes with his own mangled corpse. It was unmistakably his visage on screen. The human sprang from his seat, shaking his head. The poor guy looked like he was about to have a panic attack. And honestly, I couldn't blame him. If someone showed me my dead body, with blood streaming from my orifices, I'd be freaked out too. I, I, um... Rykov took a deep breath, running a hand through his silky brown hand. Okay, tell me everything. Carlo hesitated. Well, most of the files were corrupted beyond repair. We were only able to salvage a small snippet of a log entry. One clip, that's it, the human growled. I'm sorry, sir. Believe me, I wish I had more to go on, but we might well take a look. 
The Hodal technician switched to the video, which was overlaid by a dreadful crackling sound. The picture was muted, like the lens was fogged up. Its words were distorted almost beyond recognition, and were unintelligible in several instances. But I recognized the face and the voice of the human general, and he seemed furious. We're all screwed if, uh, what was stolen? Home! We're in pursuit of the cargo freighter, Pisces, before the bastard saw... The tape faded to darkness, leaving us to consider what had occurred. My interpretation was that this Pisces ship was transporting some solar goods, and the Terrans were trying to track them down. Perhaps that would be a good lead to start with. General Rykov frowned as it had deepened. Do you have a timestamp on that log? Pardon? Uh, in human time, it says 5.43 p.m., Quello answered. No, the date. Stardate. Uh, that must be wrong. It says 13.152. Which is five days from now. I see. This entire ordeal was making my head hurt. Did the evidence actually suggest that this doomed vessel was from the future? It sounded preposterous, but then again, so did a man coming back from the dead. The Terrans did love to meddle with things that were beyond their control. Maybe this time, it had finally caught up with them. You guys can time travel. The words slipped out of my mouth before I could stop them. Since when? Rykov sighed. I don't think we've done it yet. I know of one project, but it's in its infancy. There were no plans for an actual test yet. Th this project? Talk. Thing is, humans have made some mistakes we'd like to correct. Mistakes was a generous word, and I knew he meant the genocide that had committed during the war. Some in our government are believers in the multiverse theory. They were building a gate to another reality. Whether that's by finding a parallel timeline or creating a cosmic undo button, they don't care. Blaze fixed the human with an irate look. Of course, your kind all thought punching a hole to another dimension was a great idea. What could go wrong? It is a great idea. Look, if you can go beyond the flow of time and space as we know it, you can change history. You always have a way to turn back the clocks, or a new realm to run to when the shit hits the fan. Ultimately, the lessons we learn today is it works. I gawked at Rykov, unable to believe the words I was hearing. You're supposed to die in five days, give or take. And you're chalking this up as a win. Two possibilities exist. Either the timeline is fixed and trying to change it is futile, or the events can be changed. In that case, I'll just steer clear of any portals and we'll prevent the whole thing. Prevent it, Les repeated. How can we help? I say we track down the Pisces, as good a place as any to start. The human clasped his hands behind his back, surveying the room. His gaze locked with mine for a moment, and he offered a slight smile. This is going to be dangerous, I won't lie. If any of you want out, now is the chance to leave. I'll understand. I shot a glance at Jofie, who, like most in the room, had remained silent throughout the proceedings. There was a wordless exchange that passed between us. Her eyes narrowed as she realized I intended to stay. If it was possible to prevent the atrocious disaster, I had to be involved. Putting our awful discovery out of mind and returning to business as normal seemed impossible. If I didn't take action, the memories would consume my every thought. No creature deserves such a gruesome fate. Certainly, not for the crime, but curiosity. 
Despite her disapproval, I knew that Jofi would stick with me to the end. We were in this together. None of the individuals present while the briefing budged. General Rykov seemed heartened by the support and gave an appreciative nod. All right, then. Let's get to work. End of chapter. Larkan point of view. Nico looked like a lost tourist, slinking around behind the temple, but as with all humans, appearance could be deceiving. If you wanted an item stolen, this was the guy you asked. There was no job too dangerous for the right price. Call it arrogance or well-placed confidence, but the man believed that he could crack any system. Sometimes he would snatch an item on a whim just for the thrill. Fencing contraband, primarily human weaponry, provided him with ample revenue and considerable influence. As for the authorities, Nico lined the right pockets that allowed him to dodge port inspections, move cargo freely about the outer room systems, and stay one step ahead of the investigators. I'd served the human for years, acting as his right-hand man. Sometimes that was as pilot, as messenger, as a bodyguard. Whatever was asked of me, I obliged. Today, my role was to be his lookout, the eyes and ears for his latest operation. But the current target, a temple of the Covian species, did not sit well with my conscience. It represented the predominant faith of my homeworld, and while I was hardly devout, I still clung to the core of our beliefs. Toying with the religious institution seemed to be tempting fate. It was a kind of irreverent action that merited divine punishment. It was no wonder that Nicker was the only thief willing to accept this contract. Boss, I asked, are you sure that this is a good idea? What, got cold feet? Nicker snickered, waving a hand dismissively. This is a simple break-in. It'll do fine. Simple, sure. But you are stealing from a temple, I replied. What if you're anger the gods? Men have been cursed for less. The human sighed, rolling his eyes. I don't believe in sky daddies. Fairy tales for children, Larkin. Look, all you have to do is sit there for a few minutes and watch for trouble. Can you do that? A growl hummed in my throat. His condescending tone rubbed me the wrong way. Fine, but you're making a terrible mistake. Nico had scoped out the scene during the day and used his findings to draw up a plan. The doors were wired with an alarm system that would alert police if not disarmed in ten seconds. The priests of the Covian Pantheon figured that, that would be enough time to deter any intruders from snatching their relics. But clearly, they had never met a human. My thieving friend's plan was to scale several stories up to the glass rooftop, bust a hole in it, and then rappel down into the gallery. Once he had the package, he intended to stroll out the front door and be long gone before the authorities showed up. I was nauseated just watching him shimmy up the rusting pipe on the roof. There was nothing stopping him from falling to the ground and becoming a splat on the stone pavement. If his grip faltered for a moment, all the support gave out under his weight. Before long, Nico reached the top and shot me a thumbs up, grinning like the perilous climb was nothing. He hooked the other end of the harness's rope around the crumbling spire, which rested at the center of the glass dome. I was not convinced that the structure would support his weight, but I doubted he gave his safety a second thought. Nico drew his pistol and fired several shots through the fragile ceiling. As the glass shattered beneath his feet, he began his descent. The spire was all that kept him tethered overhead, 
and it was cracking like a tree that was about to topple. It began to tilt in Nico's direction, and I feared that it might snap at any second. To make matters worse, the exterior lights of the building flashed on, and the shriek of an alarm permeated the air. So much for a wired door being the only defense mechanism. There must have been some sort of motion sensors inside, activated by his entry. Police drones would be dispatched now, and hovercraft officers would follow shortly on their heels. We needed to flee immediately, before it was too late. The spire had not given out, and I supposed that by this point, Nico had touched down safely. Surely, it would abandon the mission, and we would make a break for it. His species was insane, but I was pretty sure that he had no desire to go to prison. But the second stretched into minutes, and there was no sign of Nico. The curly-haired human must have been in no rush to evacuate, and the buzz of drones was growing louder. Perhaps something had gone wrong. It seemed I had no choice but to leave him, if I wanted to save my skin. My eyes darted around, searching for the best escape route. At that time, the thief burst out through the front door, clutching a miniature statue to his chest. The ceramic figurine looked unimpressive, but an anonymous buyer had offered us some upward of 500,000 credits for its retrieval. I ran up to him, jabbing a claw in his face. Are you crazy? You should have left the damn thing. We're busted. And leave empty-handed. You encrypt. Follow me. I know a shortcut back to the canals. It's too late. See those drones? I pointed to a pair of discs about a hundred paces to our left. They spot us already, and they have thermal cameras. You won't lose them. I told you this mission was cursed. Do you trust me, Larkin? He frowned as I fervently shook my head. Whatever. Run like your life depends on it. Nico tore off down the alleyway, and I changed after him, my spindly legs struggling to keep up with the persistent predator. My lungs were burning after only a few strides. The drone zipped after us, closing the distance. We passed over heaps of garbage and empty shipping crates that had been left out on the street. The pungent scent of rot was enough to choke my senses. The human was fortunate enough to have a weak sense of smell. A chain-like fence blocked the end of the alleyway, cutting off our escape. It was only nearly twice the human's height, but he didn't skip a beat. He mounted it in a single leap and vaulted over to the other side with ease. It was only then that he glanced back, checking on my progress. I reached the base of the barricade, doubled over from exhaustion. My species had evolved with an aptitude for burrowing into the ground, not climbing. There was no way that I was going to make it over that fence. Nico climbed back up, reaching a hand over the top. Take my hand. I'll pull you over. Go! I panted. I- I'm done. The human muttered several curses in his native tongue, then, despite my protest, hoisted me over the fence. I collapsed on the ground, pressing my paw to my side. Instead of abandoning me, like any sane species would do, Nico drew his pistol and fired on the drones. The kinetic rounds bounced harmlessly off their metal armor. It only seemed to anger them. Now they had been attacked, their programming gave them clearance to engage with lethal force. Nico drove behind a dumpster, and not a moment later, a laser scorched the ground where he had been standing by the gods. He was going to get himself killed. A police hovercraft glided into the alley, parking itself between us and the exit. The only option now was to surrender, and to hope that the officer would spare us. A young Jatari male stepped out of the cruiser, wielding a universal remote in his hand. Inexplicably, he pressed a button and powered down the drones. 
Why would the officer disable the best weapons against an armed, hostile human? Nico might have a chance in a shootout with a single patrolman. What have you done this time? Get in the vehicle before I change my mind, the Jatari muttered. To my surprise, Nico lowered his weapon. Um, long time no see. The human boarded the hovercraft and I hastily crawled after him. He seemed to know the Sven guy, so perhaps the cop was on his payroll. Wherever we traveled, corruption was never difficult to uncover. It was an attribute that thrived in positions of power. Officer Fenn settled behind the controls, but seemed to be in no hurry to take off. His body language suggested that he was waiting for something, as did the expectant look he threw at Nico. Of course, my Terran friend fished out his holopad, tapping a few buttons. There you go, 50,000 credits, wired to your account. The officer feigned disbelief. F 50,000, that's it. Don't be ridiculous. A 10% cut for a two-minute ride is more than fair. I want 100. No way, Fenn. Don't get greedy now. Well, if it's too much, I suppose I could just take you to the clink. <sighs> Fine. I'll give you 50 now and 50 when you drop us off. No. Full payment now, or we just sit here and wait for my buddies to show up. Your choice, Nico. Bastard. There, I sent another 50. Let's go. Drop us off by the bar. Officer Fenn chuckled. Then the hovercraft revved to life. As we floated off the ground, I couldn't shake the feeling that we'd gotten away too easily. My intuition told me that fate had a terrible punishment in store for us. Something much worse than prison. End of story. Chapter 4. Larkan Point of View. The tavern was an isolated shack by the canals of Coven 9, which had fallen into disrepair years ago. The upholstery on the bar stools was torn and frayed, the dingy blue-gray paint was peening, and the tile floor was stained and off-shade yellow. The bar was owned by Nico, and it was a rare source of income that you could write off as legal. Despite the venue's pitiful appearance, it was never lacking for patrons. For a supposedly above-board operation, there was a lot of gambling and illicit drug usage. I think many of the bar's frequent visitors were addicted to the roulette game. They lost heaps of credits, and yet they returned like clockwork. It was a good place to conduct meetings, and was where we had arranged to pass off the statue. Our buyer would transfer the credits, enjoy a few complimentary drinks, and then we would part ways. I was overjoyed at the thought of putting the sacrilegious job behind us. We headed to a booth near the back of the building, where three Zanuck males were already seated. A sinking feeling clasped my stomach as we settled down across from them. I couldn't help but notice the three crescents branded into their feathers, the symbol for the expanding Nationalist Party. Their species carried a particular hatred for humans, ever since the Terran government foiled their plans to conquer the Federation. The way they, they were looking at Nico, they looked angry, hungry even. If you ask me, they were contemplating the fastest way to dissect the primate. A grey-feathered male, who seemed to be the posse's leader, wrangled the talent towards us. The statue, hand it over. Not so fast, seal, Nico growled. I want my payment, in full, before I move an inch. Five hundred K, just like we agreed. Seal raised a plasma pistol and aligned it with the human's head. His two companions followed his lead, and before I could process what was happening, we were in a wrong side of a three guns. I raised my paws in surrender, 
and took a submissive posture. It took all my willpower to not bolt on the spot. Every instinct told me to flee from imminent threat. I am not putting a centigrade into a Terran's pocket. The Zanuck sneered. Give me the statue, or I will take it off your dead body. The human chuckled, as though he found something amusing about the entire situation. He waved the statue at the three Zanuck, then tossed it towards them. Zanuck talons were not suited for catching items, but Seal lunged for the figurine anyways, dropping his gun in the process. The statue predictably slipped out of his grasp and shattered on the floor with a high-pitched crunch. Nico used a brief distraction to his advantage and unholstered his own pistol before I could blink. He picked off Seal's two henchmen with quick shots, bracing into the foreheads with a mechanical precision. The human whirled towards the disarmed leader, baring his teeth in a predatory grin. That is why Nico pressed the barrel against Seal's skull, ignoring the panic scream from the other customers. If you draw a gun on a human, you better fucking pull the trigger. There was a deafening crack, and the Xanax slumped against the booth in a pool of his own blood. The poor fella barely knew what had hit him. I stared at the ceramic shards in horror. Uh, uh, that was a, a, a sacred relic. Three people were just shot in front of you, and your friend is more worried about the statue. I like this one, a smooth voice said from the nearest table. I glanced over to see a human male watching us with a whimsical smirk. Between the neatly groomed black hair, leather briefcase, and tailored suit, he had the look of a financier or a politician. He seemed unfazed by the dead bodies, but he could just be drunk. Perhaps a Terran tourist who wandered into the wrong establishment. Nobody asked you what you thought. Mind your own damn business, Nico snapped. The man only nodded and subbed his beer. The name is Lionel Richards. We've been watching you for a while, Nicholas Marino. My friend stiffened. What is this? Are you a cop? I am with the government, but I am no cop. My business is not so official, if you catch my drift, he replied. Nico frowned. You're one of the spooks. Bingo. Is uh, Lionel Richards even your real name? Uh, what's in a name, anyways? Uh, does it matter? I did not follow what the two humans were discussing, but I did notice how Nico's cocky demeanor had faltered. Whatever hidden meaning Lionel had conveyed... It was enough to concern a seasoned Terran criminal. That probably meant that I should be worried as well. A hint of fear flashed in Nico's eyes as he studied the newcomer. What do you want, Lionel? Are you here to arrest me? Of course not. If we wanted to bring you in, we would have done so a long time ago, Lionel answered. We have a proposition for you. A job. And you think I'll do it out of patriotism? No. I thought you could be, uh, persuaded. Uh, five million credits up front, twenty million when the job is finished. I gaped at the mysterious stranger, certain that I'd misheard. Nobody offered that kind of money in our line of work. That was at least five times the going rate for high-value targets. Wow. Uh, consider me persuaded? Uh, I'm all ears, Nico said. Lionel nodded. Right. So the target is a clandestine Jitari military base. It is a mere 400 parsecs from this colony, and of course, we'll mark it on your star chart. And what is it that you want stolen? That's the thing, we don't know. We only were made aware of this facility's existence five days ago. Our sensors picked up massive energy surges in the region, and upon closer inspection, we noticed a large amount of Jitari ships buzzing about. I guess they're running some sort of weapons testing. Lionel 
I hope you have a more specific target than that. If the game plan is rolling up to a test site and making off with a bomb, nah, the brass just wants answers. The Jatari have regular transports once a day to a secondary outpost. We'll give you the time and the place. You can figure out the rest. Whatever they're carrying on board, you bring it to us. Sounds like a simple hacking job. Why wouldn't you just do it yourself? Isn't that obvious? If we get caught, it's an act of war. If you get caught, it's piracy. I see. So then, you'll take the job gladly. Send everything over and we'll get started at once. Very well. You'll have your payment tonight. Lionel Richards downed the last of his beer, then slammed his glass on the table. But just to be clear, if you feck with us, it'll be the last thing you ever do. Have a good night, gents. I watched in a dazed stupor as our benefactor collected his belongings and stood up from his station. Twenty-five million credits was a fortune. This was the sort of job that could kickstart an early retirement and fund a lavish lifestyle. In other words, this was a break that we needed to disappear for good. But while Nico had been quick to dismiss our task as a simple hijacking, I knew that it was much more complex. A military transport was unlikely to surrender without a fight, and to further complicate matters, the nature of the cargo was unknown. For all we knew, a direct assault could ignite whatever ammunition that they were carrying. And while we never questioned our contractors' motives, I couldn't help but wonder what the Terrans hoped to find. After years of consorting with their kind, I knew better than most how quickly they could snap. If human suspicions morphed into something more concrete, a little adventure could be the prelude to galactic war. End of chapter.